Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. We have a guest speaker this morning, and I am so excited to have Putty with us this morning. Putty Putman, um, I met him probably six years ago. Um, Putty is the founder and director of School of Kingdom Ministry, and uh, Putty um, was here this weekend for the Integrated Healing uh, Seminar that we had, the training seminar, and he brought his team, and uh, we've been able to hang out and talk, and and, uh, uh, I really love the relationship that the Lord has put together with with us and uh, our two churches, and Putty's been a part of the, the executive leadership team, just stepped down to kind of give more focus to School of Kingdom Ministry. School of Kingdom Ministry started um, six or seven years ago with just the church, and then it, it expanded to some local churches, and then expanded. We jumped in about year three, something like that, and now there are School of Kingdom Ministries running in Australia, in the Netherlands, in the U.K., and uh, this just keeps expanding because it's an amazing, it's an amazing ministry. Many of you have been through the school. Some of you are going through the school right now. And uh, we've been watching Putty on the screen for the last, you know, three or four months. Now we get to see him live. This is awesome. Uh, Putty got his Ph.D. in quantum physics from the University of Illinois. So, uh, yeah, so he's a smart guy, but he loves the Lord, and uh, he is really an incredible teacher, man of God, and uh, you're going to enjoy this. So, Putty, come on up, brother. There we go. Check. Come through. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, Before I jump in, just real quick, show of hands, who has been a part of School Kingdom Ministry? It's just fun for me to, I got to block the lights here. Oh, it's so good to meet you each. Come say hi, and We'll do some sort of COVID-friendly hello after this. Um, Who has never heard of me and is thinking, like, Putty? That's the weirdest name. Anybody? A couple of people? It's really good to meet you guys, too. Uh, You can tell me afterwards what you think, I suppose. Um, Or better yet, just forward it to Neil. Um, (laughs) You know, um, before we jump in, actually, I just wanted to say one quick thing. I should start my timer so I don't... Talk all morning um, on the uh, on the whole capital campaign thing. You know, I, I didn't know you guys were doing this until literally I just heard that announcement. So that's that's kind of interesting. And I think maybe I just want to like speak to it for one second because I'm not in this church, and no part of that is going to benefit me. <laughs> um, and so that gives me just like a little bit of a different uh, different angle on it. Uh, a number of years ago, our church did, did a campaign as we were doing a whole bunch of renovations and stuff. And um, we prayed about it, my wife and I, and we said, okay, Lord, like, what, what do you want us to do? And, um, you know, we've been tithing, a little over tithing forever. And, you know, our family is in that spot where we've got three young kids, you know, like, we're in the phase of life where we don't have, like, a lot of disposable income. Uh, but we felt the Lord tell us, to give 25% of our income for two years to this capital campaign. 
And uh, it was one of those things where it was like, holy cow, God, like, I literally don't know how that's possible. Like, like seriously, like, I, the only way I can do the math involves us going into debt for this. Like, I, I don't know how that works at all. Um, but, you know, we, we don't really get to choose uh, how to obey. <laughs> we just get to choose to say yes. And so we, we chose to say yes. And uh, in the process... Um, we, we wound up giving 25% of our income for two years. We wound up somehow accumulating more money in our account. I still don't know how. And we moved, and so we actually stretched our house payment by a good 40% in the process. And coming out of the far side of that was when God breathed on School King Ministry, and then it began to go kind of all over the place. And so I say that to say this, you know, there's, there's two ways that we can look at moments like this when it comes to things like capital campaigns. We can look at the very practical stuff, like the roof needs to be fixed. <laughs> that's going to be a problem, <laughs> right? Like, and, and, and various other things. And that's fine, and that's good. But I want to encourage you, like, you know, Jesus says things. He goes, like, guys, if, if you don't know how to use your money in the kingdom way, you don't know how to work with people in the kingdom way. He makes that, like, the bottom line. And I want to encourage you guys, encourage you guys. I think there's some of you who God is going to ask to actually do something in faith, not something with your budget. And don't do it unless God tells you to do it, okay? Because that God God doesn't sign up for the things that we tell him we're gonna do sometimes, right? But if God tells you to do that, I want to encourage you, you will see awesome kingdom things happen in your life. And what I have found is, like, it, maybe it's just because money is so tangible, it's so concrete to us, that if we walk in a place of faith in that, it will unlock things in your life that you won't get unlocked any other way. So just do what God tells you to do. That's the awesome thing about money is, like, nobody has to pressure anybody. All we got to do is what God tells us to do, right? But I do want to encourage you when it comes to money, it's so easy for me to be like, yeah, God. And then once I leave the service, I'm like, yeah, let's just rail that back a little bit. You know, why not, why, not, why not test God with this, as Jesus says? You'll see some awesome things happen. So, I don't know. Take that for whoever that was for. We're not going to talk about money the rest of the morning here, but it's just, that, I don't know, that kind of pricked me as, um, as Neil was given that. So, hopefully that, that's for somebody there. So good to be here with you guys. I love what God is doing in this church. I love uh, the kingdom mission that we get to be a part of. I love the vineyard family that we get to be a part of together. Um, so many, so many cool things. And uh, it's good to be here. I think it's been uh, three years, give or take, something like that, since I was here last time. Um, and I was telling Neil yesterday, I was like, man, it's really cool. I feel a sort of fresh life in, in here that wasn't here three years ago. And I think you guys are on a really cool trajectory. It's going to be fun to see where you are three years from now. I think, I think, I think some really good stuff is, is already happening and is going to continue to happen here. And, and this morning, I want to talk about, to just kind of make a bit of a turn here, I want to talk about the fact that we are in a really weird moment, aren't we? Like, like, this is the strangest whole thing that any of us have ever lived through. And so, you know, I, it's, it's, it's an odd thing, right? Like, we can't only talk about this weird moment, you know? It's like we can't, like, 
pretend that COVID's the only thing happening in our lives or whatever it is, but it is happening in our lives, and we do need to address it once in a while. And so um, I, want, I want to take some time and, and talk about that. And specifically what I want to talk about is I want to ask this question. You know, our, our bodies biologically, they run on like a bunch of different kinds of nutrients. And the thing that you like are trying to do needs to be fueled by the right kinds of nutrients coming into your body or it's just not really going to work well. I'll give you a case in point, right? If you want to decide in 2021 that you're going to build a bunch of muscle and you go to the gym five times a day and your goal is to be able to double your whatever, bench press or leg press or whatever you're into, if you do that and you try to go to the gym five times a week but you never eat any protein, you're going to be miserable. And it's not going to work very well. And so the person who wants to put on muscle needs to not only go to the gym, but they need to make sure their intake is matching the needs of the assignment ahead. At the same time, someone who the next day is about to run a marathon should probably not pound a whole lot of protein, or they're going to be miserable by the time they get to mile five. They need to eat a lot of carbohydrates. They need energy so that they've got what they need to go. Other, they're going to be puking their guts out as they run mile after mile if they can't make it. Our, our body is designed to have different kinds of input that match the task that we're trying to do. And I think that in this really unique season, there's a kind of spiritual parallel to that, where like none of our lives are really <laughs> feeling very normal these days. We're walking through something very different than what we were walking through a year ago or two years ago or however long back you want to go because none of us have lived through anything at all like this. And the question I want to ask today is this. What spiritual intake do we need to be able to do the assignment of this season? And I think this is a very important question because here's why. And I think this is a, this is a question... Parallel question I'd like to, to invite all of us to wrestle through, which is this. What's our goal with this whole thing? Because as it looks like to me, we're probably never going to live through a season much like this again. Like, we look back over our corners. I mean, is it anyone's second time in a global pandemic in this room? <laughs> right? <laughs> No, I don't think so. There's, a, there's no one in this room who's, who's been through this before. So if we've never been through it before, odds are we'll probably never go through it again, right? And what that means is for the journey that we have with God in our life, this is a once-in-a-lifetime window. What God could do us do in us now we're never going to have the opportunity to walk that stretch with God again. And it's really easy in a challenging season like this to inadvertently set the goal for survival. I just want to make it through. This is hard. I just want things to be normal again. I just want to, I just want to like, not be uncomfortable anymore. 
And if that's where you're at, like, I get it. And I have those days too. There's like no, no shame, no condemnation in that. But like, I just want to suggest like, that's kind of the equivalent of like, my financial goal is just to not bounce my checking account. Like, like I don't want to have, I don't need more than like $5 in the account. I just need to not bounce a check. We never look at that person and go, that's a smart financial goal. That person's going to do well in life. We say, you know what, there might be more. Like, yes, it's good to not be in the negative, sure. Like, and if that's what we're struggling with, let's figure out how to get out of the negative. But to me, when I look at the season, what I think is this. Man, this is a a once-in-a-life opportunity to grow in a way with God that I'll never have again. And whatever I get in this season, I get to keep for the rest of my life. What if this is like the best opportunity I'm ever going to have? Why would I squander this moment with a goal like survival? That feels silly. (laughs) My goal for this season is to get everything I can out of it so that when I come out the far side, I'm sprinting, not crawling. I'm sprinting, and and I've used this season to bulk up in the way that I'm not going to have the chance to bulk up again ever again. But I get to carry the benefits forward. And so I want to suggest, okay, like, what if we made something like that our goal, (laughs) And if that's the case, what does it take to input so that we can truly flourish in this season? I love that because, you know, our goal doesn't have to be the world's. The world is just trying to survive. Why? Because they're not in a journey with God through this, right? We are in a totally different situation, and so we can have a totally different goal. We can And we can look at this and go, oh man, this is going to be so great. This is going to be so fun. I hope the pandemic sticks around for two more years. (laughs) Now, I don't actually hope that. But I'm trying to provoke our thinking here. What if we could think about it that way? I mean, like, if this is the best growth we're ever going to have in our life, like, do we really want to shrink the season? It's It's worth looking at. So, okay. What, what does it take? What do we need in a season like this to be intaking so that we can uh, sort of rise to the occasion of the best opportunity we'll ever have to grow? Well, to, to kind of begin to unpack that, I want to turn to a verse that is a, an interesting little verse here, and we're going to explore and unpack all of this Uh, as we go through this morning. So this is Galatians 4, and Paul is writing this. And um, Galatians 4, verse 6, Paul writes a phrase that we've probably heard a bunch of times or read a bunch of times, but I want to take some time and process it, okay? So what Paul writes is this. He says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Because we are sons, because we are daughters of God, we have received the Spirit of Jesus Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in our hearts is crying, Abba, Father. 
Now, this is Paul. He's like reflecting a phrase that Jesus uses in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying. It's a whole scene. Hey, guys, stay awake. Pray for me. They last like 30 seconds. <laughs> and they're snoozing. And Jesus, we see him in, in, in his really dark, really challenging moment. He says, Abba, if there's any other way this could go down, I'd really like that. <laughs> but not my will, yours be done. This phrase, Abba, Father, is one of those things that we can, um, without realizing it, just sort of process as Bible language. You, you know what I'm talking about? You read it the first time, you're like, I don't know what that means. And then you hear a sermon on it, and someone says, well, Abba was like a term of connection and intimacy, you know. And you go, oh, okay, I get it. You know, I don't know why they chose Abba, but fine, whatever. And then you just sort of like file it and you move on. And every time you read it, you go, it's just another one of those Bible terms, you know. It's just like, it's just like, righteousness or sanctify or whatever, you know, like these weird terms that are only in the Bible, you know, but, but, but we use them. So we don't, I think, sometimes catch how shocking and strange that phrase is. And what I want to do is I want to unpack that. Now, before I do, I want to frame a little bit the experience of our moment because it's going to connect to why this phrase is important. And to do that, I want to welcome up uh, to the two gals here that I talked to earlier. You know one of them quite well. Um, you get to meet the other one today. And here, come on up here, gals. We'll just do this down here. Um, this is Lindsay. If you don't know Lindsay, does anyone not know Lindsay in this room? There's probably a couple of people who don't know Lindsay. Lindsay is uh, Neil's daughter. Um, as he pointed out, she, she works uh, with us at our church, and, um, but she came home for the weekend here. And this is Jess. She's been on my uh, staff forever, and the reason that I locked the van keys in the van this morning it was because Jess was not with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not good with all those things. So um, anyway, so <clears throat> here, I, I want you guys to step just a little bit more in the center here, okay? Now, you may observe glancing at these two ladies, that there's a bit of a height discrepancy here, okay? And, 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 and this, is, this is the point that I'm trying to make here. We as human beings, we don't have a grid in our mind for the infinite. We can't touch it. It literally makes no sense to us. And I say this as someone who has a PhD in physics and has studied the infinite, it will break your mind over and over and over again because there's no parallels that we can create internally. Like, it just doesn't fit for us. And one of the correlations for that is this. God, as we know, is infinite in a lot of ways. But we can't actually wrap our mind around that because our minds don't go to infinite. So what we can do and what we do do is we picture God as as big, or maybe a little bigger, than the biggest thing that we do have a box for in our mind. Right? The biggest challenge, the biggest situation, the biggest circumstance that we have experienced, we go, oh, that must be how big God is. And so what happens in our lives is, let's hypothesize the height of these two gals represents the uh, scope of two different sizes of problems or situations. And if we go through our lives 
And all we've experienced are just size problems. <laughs> then we don't realize it, but we have a just sized God in our mind. God is bigger than my depression. God is bigger than my financial problems when I lost my job. God is bigger than the health issue that I'm currently facing. Now, all of that is great, and it's true. God is bigger than those things, absolutely. And what will happen is, if I have a just-sized understanding of God, then any problem I run into that is this tall or shorter, I'm going to run into with a sense of faith. I'm going to go, oh, it's okay, God's bigger than that. No problem. Not a big deal. Oh, this relationship is having issues? It's okay. I've experienced God as bigger than that. Not a big deal. But then what happens is we run into 2020. <laughs> and there's a, there's a bit of a discrepancy here between 2020 and our experience of how big God is. And so we don't realize it. We're not like trying to do this. But what happens on the inside of us is we have a gap where this gap, we look at that, and that gap is what causes fear and insecurity. That gap is why we come to church and we're like, God is big, God is awesome, yeah, Jesus is victorious. And then Monday rolls around and we're like, the world's falling apart, what are we going to do? It's because... We have a set of circumstances that are now bigger than our conception of God. And so our role in this moment is not to respond as if the problem is only this big. You're not going to be able to trick yourself into that. You can try. It won't work. The, the goal for this moment is to allow our experience of God to grow to be bigger than the problem we have. It's not to try and reduce the problem, it's to allow our understanding of God to get bigger. Thank you, gals, good job. <laughs> Jess loves this one because uh, it's, like, it's like an example where not being as tall is a good thing. <laughs> um, that's right, right, we try and trivialize it, we try and minimize it, we try and, and, and cut it down and it's because intuitively we know, like, we need a bigger image of God than the issue at stake. We know that. We know we're not going to be okay until that's the case. But what we're not usually so good at is what does it take for that picture of God to grow? How does that, how does that mental box of who God is get bigger? And to understand that, that's why we're talking about this weird cryptic phrase, Abba, Father. Now, what's weird and what's strange about this phrase is that this is a phrase that no Jew would ever say. This is the piece that sometimes we, we miss about this. This is actually like a shocking phrase. And the reason it's shocking is because it's bringing together two exclusive terms that never both apply. The term Abba, if you've not heard of it, I believe it's Aramaic, um, and it would refer to the term 
that a, a young child would use of their dad during the phase of life where they were dependent on their parents. So I'll give you an example of, of an ABBA relationship. I've got three children, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And what frequently happens is when I come home, by the way, Wes, are you in here somewhere? If I wander outside the good light zone, somebody just yell at me. Just say, back it up, buddy, or something like that. I, I, I just can't not wander. I don't know how to do that. Um, my, my children, this will often happen when I come home. So I'll come home from work, garage door will open, pull in the garage door, you know, I'll get all my things, I'll step through the door, and my kids will usually be like playing somewhere in the living room. They're doing a puzzle, they're reading a book, they're doing Legos, whatever it is. They're playing, and as soon as they hear like that door open to come inside the house, what will often happen is one of them will yell, Daddy's home! And will get a stampede. And all three of them, like, I've got, like, my backpack and, you know, like, all of this stuff. I'm, like, just kind of trying to get in the door. But, like, while I'm in the middle of the doorway trying to come through, they want to run up and they want to wrap their arms around my leg, you know? And they're like, hi, Dad, you know? And I'll, hi, you know? Just trying not to drop things. Like, good to see you, you know? That is an ABBA moment right there. Dad is back. And the most important thing right now is to concretely experience the relationship that I have and that he is here, he is big on my behalf, he will deal with the problems I need him to deal with. I can be safe, I can be home, I can be dependent and trust him. And I need to experience that. Because I've been away from that. So I need to come. I need to touch. I need to wrap my arm around his leg. Interrupt him as he comes in the door. That is a picture of the Abba relationship. Now the term father, it's a different word. And it would refer to the type of relationship that a grown Jewish boy would have with his father once he had his own household. So it wasn't just like we use dad and father kind of interchangeably in English. It's just sort of like whatever we feel like in the moment. These weren't interchangeable terms in the original language. You wouldn't use one or the other. You would like graduate from one to the other. And the term father would refer to, you got to remember, in, in this time in the world, the way that things worked is like families oriented around family crafts. Like a big part of your inheritance was actually the knowledge of the family craft and how to use that to make your way in the world and to make a contribution to society. There weren't colleges to go to. Nobody is getting vocationally trained outside of the context of their family. And so this term father would refer to when the son had uh, started his own household and where they would together steward the family craft. Not as dependents, but more as peer-to-peer. -peer. So a good example of this would be my dad lives uh, in town with us. And my dad, for a bunch of years, like 30 plus years, 
uh, worked as a writer in a communications office, uh, in a communications department for a denominational office. So he's a writer, and in the last, I don't know, five years or so, I've become more of a writer, published a few books. So we have a shared trade of writing. And sometimes what will happen is we'll say, hey, it's been a little while, let's catch up. And we'll meet at breakfast together. And we'll catch up on our lives. And we'll talk shop. What are you writing? What are you thinking about? You know, whatever. And we'll talk about the families. We'll talk about writing. We'll talk about all these things. And then at the end of breakfast, we each go pay our own bills. I don't ask him to pay for me. Shouldn't have to do that anymore. Right? I don't try and move back into his basement. <laughs> it's not appropriate for me to try to be dependent on him anymore. And to do that would actually be moving towards immaturity. What's now appropriate is for us to have this sort of peer-peer relationship. That's what the term father meant. And so this phrase, Abba Father, is really weird. Because you would never have an Abba relationship and a father relationship at the same time. It, it, it couldn't happen. <laughs> and yet, this is precisely what Paul says the Holy Spirit in our hearts is crying back to God. Now, this is, this is an odd thing in a way that our relationship with God is distinct, is different from our relationships with other people. <laughs> when we're born again, and particularly if, like most of us, we sort of crash our life into the kingdom. You know, we've like blown it up. We've made such a mess of our lives. We sort of finally give up on ourselves and we say, God, you know, uh, you're going to have to fix this because I apparently just can't, you know. What happens is when we come into the kingdom that way, we immediately position ourselves with an Abba relationship with God. God, I made a mess. I need you to fix my problems. I need you to beat up the big dad down the street because his son made fun of me. <laughs> right? Like we position ourselves in this Abba place and we're like drinking in from God and we're hungry. And, and God is like, he's like, let me be big on your behalf. You don't have to be big. Let me be big. That's what the Abba relationship is all about. And our experience with God hovers around intimacy. Like, we're just like, I just want to get lost and worship God. I never want to stop. Right? This is, this is sort of the, the crux of the Abba relationship. And we enter our faith usually with a, an Abba posture. And that's good. That's right. And what happens in time is God begins to grow us and supplement that with a father relationship with him. And a father relationship works differently than an Abba relationship. The Abba relationship orbits around intimacy. The father relationship orbits around authority. The father relationship, he's like, hey, you know what? I call you a son. The kingdom is our family business. So how are you kingdoming in the world? In the Abba relationship, we go, God, my problems are big. I need you to fix them. And in the father relationship, God says, I'll steer you, but you're going to fix this one. In the, in the Abba relationship, we're like, God, you're so big. And believe it or not, in the father relationship, God says, and I've made you big too. Amen. 
Not, not, not independent of him, but that's what he, he does. He, he says, I'm, I make you as big as my son. He's pretty big. <laughs> He's pretty cool, <laughs> right? And so we, we, we grow into, this, into this, uh, this father relationship over time. And by the way, people can, you can tell when people are, are making that, that stretch because they start saying things like, I just, I just can't connect with God the way I used to. Anybody ever say that? Anybody ever think that? What happened? He used to meet me in the secret place all the time. He used to just worship all the time. It was amazing. Now he doesn't meet me there anymore. He's actually working to grow this other side of your relationship. Now he's asking you to meet him on the battlefield, not in the secret place. Not that you should leave the secret place behind. That's not, that's not the point. But God will hang out here, and he'll be like, actually, the plan's beat over here right now. So, so we have these kind of two different modes of relationship with God. And it seems to me that a big part of wisdom in this whole spiritual journey is knowing when it's an Abba moment and when it's a Father moment. And what I tend to do, because naturally, once I graduate into a Father relationship with my dad, I know that to go back to the Abba relationship is immaturity. The more comfortable I find myself in the father relationship, the more I, I, I don't like intentionally resist the Abba relationship, but I kind of just cross it off in my mind, not realizing that it's still important and relevant. And the reason all of this really, really, really deeply matters is this. Remember the, the two of these? You can only live in a father relationship when your picture of God is bigger than the circumstances you're in. When you're in the place where you're like, I know because I've experienced that God is bigger than this, that's where you can speak to things with authority, with conviction. You can say, I know that God is bigger than this problem. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Let's see something awesome happen. That's, you can operate in that father mode as long as our issues are just size or smaller. But if we want our experience of God to grow to a Lindsay, that growth only happens in the Abba relationship. Because the Abba relationship is all about, God, you're big. It's, the focus isn't on me, and the focus isn't on how do I solve my problem. The focus is on, God, I need to see that you're bigger than this problem. God, 2020 beat me up. I need you to go down the street and beat up 2020's dad. Amen, Amen right? We all need some of that, right? It's, 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 it's positioning ourselves in that place of trust and of dependency and saying, God, here's what I need. You're taller than I realized. So I need you to bend down and lift me up so I can see how tall you actually are. I need to feel that bigness and that intimacy and to realize the scope and the scale of that is bigger than the issue that I'm facing right here, right now. And so what God does in our lives is he brings us through journeys back and forth between this Abba and this Father thing. 
And right now, it's like almost all of us in the whole world are in a moment that calls for the Abba relationship. In 1 Samuel 30, we see uh, an interesting example of this. And I I just kind of draw this out to highlight this is just the way that God works with his people. You can see the same thing happening in tons of other examples. But in 1 Samuel 30, we have a passage where um, we're looking at David. Now remember, David is the guy who long before this has out shepherding him by himself in the field. And in the midst of that, lions and bears, oh my, show up. And David has a big enough picture of God that he chases down and kills by himself as a teenager. Lions and bears. And so he shows up a little after that to Goliath. And everybody's quaking in their boots. He's huge. He's going to kill us. And David's the one guy in the room who's like, well, I killed lions and bears with God. Y'all have a Jess-sized God, and I've got a Lindsay-sized God here. So they all panic. David's not panicking. He's like, are you serious, guys? Are you serious? Let's just kill him. He does. And I mean, he, like his faith in the moment is insane, right? He gets out on the field. He's like, I can't really wear the armor. It's fine. I'll be all right without it. He goes out there. Ah, I don't even need a sword. Just give me a slingshot, right? Goliath comes out, taunts him, and David starts running at him. Crazy, right? This is David. And yet, in 1 Samuel 30, we see that even this guy hits a moment that's an Abba moment for him. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites made a raid against them, the Geb and against Ziklag. Doesn't that just make perfect sense? They overcame Ziklag and burned it with fire, and they'd taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. David's enemies come and burn the city that he was camped in. That's what you need to know. And they kidnap all the families. They killed no one, but they carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city... They found it burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Powerful moment, right? David's two wives had also been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, or Nabal of Caramel. Gosh, these need to find like Putty's translation of the Bible. Changes some of these names. David was greatly distressed. Now look at this. David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because all the people were bitter in soul. Each for his sons and daughters. David hits the moment where he can't do it anymore. I'm out, God. My family's been kidnapped. My city's been burned. And the people who could be rallying right now are trying to kill me instead. This is a really tall circumstance. This is much bigger than I've been in before. Now look at this next line. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And what does he do right after this? He goes to the priest and he immediately flips into Abba mode. 
He goes, he goes, bring me the ephod. Let's ask God what we need to do here. This problem is too big for me. I don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do. But this is going to be an opportunity for us to see how big God is. Let's let him solve this problem for us. And they get the things and they chase everybody down and they rescue everybody. And it's awesome. It's a cool moment. Over and over and over again, we see this with the people of God, where God brings them back to the Abba moment. Moses talking to God at the burning bush. Couldn't you send Aaron? Like, I'm sure you're great. We're actually having a conversation here. Couldn't he go instead? Joshua, the man who has gone up on the mountain, been in the presence of God with Moses, right? Moses dies. Joshua's like, I don't think I can do it. God's like, be strong and courageous. I'll be with you. Gideon, the angel shows up. He's like, strong and valiant warrior. Gideon's like, what, me? Hiding in the wine press? I'm like, the smallest of the smallest. God brings his people back to the Abba moment, and I just can't help but feel like he's bringing us back to the Abba moment in this as well. And that if we'll allow ourselves to position in that Abba place, which, yes, is uncomfortable because it's vulnerable, because it means newsflash, maybe what we've all been wrestling with all along, yeah, we don't have any control right here. We have no way to influence how this all is going to play out. <laughs> and God says, what if you just welcomed that instead of trying to pretend it wasn't true? What if you just submitted to that and you said, you know what? You're going to get to see that I'm bigger than COVID. I'm bigger than a global pandemic. I'm bigger than the economic issues. I'm bigger than the political tensions. I'm bigger than the racial problems. You get the chance to see I'm bigger than all of that stuff. Amen. And if, if we'll allow that positioning where we just do come to God and we say, God, I literally have nothing here. I can't. And I'm not even going to try. But would you pick me up? Would you let me feel your bigness here? You know what's going to happen? We're going to, we're going to, our picture of God is going to grow so much bigger than, like I said, we may ever have the chance to have it grow again. You want to just survive? You'll survive on your just-sized image of God. You will. Like, the reality is this probably isn't going to kill the overwhelming majority of us, this situation. We're all still here a year later. We'll probably be here a year from now. You could survive. Survival is probably not really the major question at hand here. The major question is, are you going to walk out of this with a COVID-sized God? Or are you going to walk out of this in the same place you went in? And so with that, let's just do a little bit of, of ministry. And, and can I ask everyone just to kind of stand where you're at? I'm not actually going to probably welcome people up. I just think it would be good for all of us to just kind of engage with God a little bit where we're at. And I don't know if you guys can play just some, like, chill music that's not loud or has a lot of words. But if you, if you would, if you'd be willing to, just, just put your hands out right now and just, just close your eyes. And we're just going to interact with God just 
you and him. God, I thank you (laughs) that when we need an Abba, that's who you are to us. And God, I actually just have this sense of the Spirit of God in our hearts saying in this moment, Abba, we need you, Abba. God, this this whole thing, you know that it's hard. (laughs) You know that it's big. You know that it feels overwhelming. But but Lord, the the biggest issue we have (laughs) is that, Lord, we don't know that you're bigger than this. So God, we just say, that's what we want to walk out of this with. Abba, I ask right now that you'd bend down and you'd pick us up and you'd lift us up higher than we've been lifted before. That you'd bring bring our eyes up to the level where we see you are bigger than this. God, we, we give up trying to chart our way through this thing. We give up trying to figure it out. We give up trying to solve it. And we just say, God, we need you. We need you. I ask God for each and every one of us, Lord, for the grace to love this Abba place. The grace to love the trust and the dependency the grace to love the opportunity to hang in this moment until we see that you are bigger than we knew before. And I ask right now for the the sense of, of safety and peace that lives in that place. Right now, I just speak to, to every heart in the room and I just say, be at peace. This isn't your problem to solve. This isn't your situation to figure out. This is where you get to see how big God is. And I just, I bless you to have that childlike faith that presumes that God will figure it out for you. It doesn't see that as assuming on God, but just sees that as like, that, he's my big dad, of course he's going to take care of me. Why would I think otherwise? I bless each and every heart in this place to settle into that. You're going to be okay. You've got a big Abba. You're going to be okay. He's going to bring you through it. And God, I ask that you would reposition our focus off of ourselves and trying to make us as big as the problem. And Lord, you'd position our focus on looking to how you're going to show us that you're bigger than the problem. We say we don't need to be God here. We trust you to be God here. We don't need to be in charge here. We trust that you're in charge here. We don't need to provide for ourselves here. We trust that you will provide for us. And so God, I just ask that that grace would settle in each and every one of us right now. And it would surround and guard our hearts and bring it to a peace that surpasses understanding because it's not natural. Let that rest upon us now 
And God, I ask that a, a sovereign seed of that would be implanted into each and every one of our hearts that would grow and grow and grow in this season. And I ask God that for each of us, we would come out the far side of this whole stretch, not crawling, not limping, but sprinting so that the world may see there was a different way to handle this. There is a different thing that can be done. Life with you truly is different. <laughs> I ask for that, God, and I ask that actually not for us, but I ask it for everybody who's going to see us. It's in your name that we pray these things. Abba, we love you. It's in your name, Abba. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.